to another episode of On My Mind. I'm Shelley Griffith, and today I have a dear friend, Becky Green. She's back with us. She was on in the spring and gave us some excellent information uh, about her career in counseling as a licensed clinical social worker. And welcome again, Becky. Thank you, Shelley. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're tickled to have you back, and we're going to be talking about some different things that uh, you and I have chatted about before, but for the folks who might be first-time listeners, could you give us just a little recap of, of kind of where you're from, your uh, education, and the career choice that got you into this? I grew up in Chattanooga and came to Tennessee Wesleyan College back in 1979 and uh, have stayed here and in the Athens area. I got my uh, bachelor's in human services from TWC in 1984, went on to get my master's from UT Knoxville, my master's in social work in 1993, and have worked in this area for 30 years as a social worker. Currently, I'm in private practice as a licensed clinical social worker, and i talk to people all day long about things going on in their lives. Um, that's what I do. Well, in, in <laughs> 30 years, Becky, is just a marvelous career and still going strong. And as we move into uh, the, the area of counseling, if you'll share with our listeners, uh, primarily sort of take them through maybe a uh, a day in the life of Becky Green. Oh. Perhaps the the numbers that you see may be, as you and I have talked, percentage of male versus female clients. Uh, and some of the very typical cases that you might run into. I think probably because I'm in private practice and I have been in, in, in public mental health and, and worked for hospitals, my practice now is a little bit different. Um, there, as we all know, are a lot of addiction problems in in our country, in our area. Uh, probably a lot of people I see have someone in their family who have an addiction problem, but primarily m- my work is done with people who have problems with depression or problems with anxiety. Uh, we talked about how many men and women I see. I, I would say over 90, 95% of my clients are female and less than 5% are male. But primarily depression, anxiety, and dealing with losses in their lives. And there are all sorts of lo- losses through divorce, through children leaving home, through death, and uh, I try to help people work through those problems in healthy ways. Becky, that brings up a good point that kind of just hit me even after we talked. Do you think that that uh, we men just don't feel we need to be helped? Is it that that typical macho thing that prevents the guys from even going to the regular doctor? Or is it that uh, they don't view themselves as having 
a problem or, or what do you think it is? That's a huge ratio difference. It, well, it is, and that's uh, uh, all of those characteristics you just mentioned may contribute to why they don't come. And, and some women don't come because they think they can handle their own problem. They see it as a weakness to go talk with somebody and uh, they just don't end up in my office unless, unless their lives just almost completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and, and as you've pointed out, the various forms of loss, uh, and, and for our listeners, uh, Becky and I have both lost spouses in the last uh, year and a half or so, and, and uh, she is, is directing a marvelous uh, grief discussion group at our church here in Athens, St. Paul's Episcopal, and, and I am most grateful for that. Uh, cannot make every single meeting, but it's, it's a great time to get together and, and uh, have the, the discussions that we all can have and as, as we move into, Becky, the, the uh, holiday season, we hear so many things, read so many things. Take us through, uh, I guess, uh, what you have, have learned over the years about approaching uh, these holidays, be it Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, whatever. Or is it really that much different than the day-to-day loss? Well, it is, it is different, and it's different because of the traditions that we have around the holidays, the family gatherings that we have, uh, whether it's food, decorating, the parties, the gifts, just traditions that we have. People, when you have lost someone, and again, that can be through divorce, through someone moving across the country and they can't come home from the holidays and and obviously with the death, so many things change when that person or those people are no longer part of your life on a regular basis. Um, I have more than one client who says to me when we... And, and around this time of year, I'll say, well, you know, it's three weeks until Thanksgiving, which yesterday was three weeks uh, until Thanksgiving. I say, oh, are the holidays a problem for you? And, and again, I've had more than one client say, I just want to fast forward to January. I don't want to deal with the holidays. Yeah. And um, again, uh, this time of year, I see in the well, for example, in the past two weeks, I have had more calls. We've had more calls in our office just for people to get in for um, just dealing with life issues. And uh, I believe it is a lot of that is because of loss, because of uh, sadness around this time of year. If if we look back at uh, statistically, I guess, are we seeing in, in the country and certainly in your practice more folks who are anxious or depressed? And I realize, and certainly you and I have seen this over the years, they do go hand in hand quite often. But what would you say in your breakdown more of one over the other currently? 
I think currently there is more anxiety. There's more anxiety about everything and, and um, uh, the, the COVID, the, the pandemic uh, caused a lot of people to be isolated and raised our anxiety levels about uh, health, health care, what's going on in the world. And uh, people are just more anxious. Yeah, I, I believe so. And basically, you, you gave us something last time that I thought was marvelous. Share again that, I think it's the breathing exercise. Oh, the, well, you can, the, you can go online. I and, know, but <laughs> I want to hear it from you again. It was marvelous the way you described well, it. Well, you know, there are two things that I, I suggest to people and, and uh the first one is so easy is to put your hand on your chest or on your belly and it automatically calms you down automatically calms you down it that's so easy um someone at our grief support group who is a nurse actually had had me crisscross and put mm. both both hands over your chest again that is automatically calming but there is a breathing exercise that is promoted by many practitioners in in the world i would say it's called the 478 breath and the 478 breath is where you breathe in slowly to the count of 4 you hold it for the count of seven, and then you breathe out slowly, either through your nose or through your mouth, to the count of eight. You do this four times, and it will calm you down. And you can also put your hand on your chest or your belly as you're doing that, and it is automatically calming. I, I read, and I can't tell you where this research is from, but I read that Doing this twice a day has been found to lower people's blood pressure. So it has, wow. there's that physical component of anxiety, which we all know if you're, if you're anxious, you feel anxious. And again, uh, that, that is part of, of more of what we're dealing with. That's it. Four, seven, eight. The four, seven, seven eight. eight breath. All right, folks, I want you to keep that locked into <laughs> your brain because I will as well as we all move into this season. Four, seven, eight. Four in, seven hold, eight release, right? Yes. Four, Just seven, slowly, like slowly breathe slow. in, hold it, and out. I like that better than the old count to 10 because sometimes I would catch myself when I was frustrated counting to 10 in about three seconds and that didn't help <laughs> me at all. <laughs> no, I understand. Now, if we look, Becky, at uh, the, the young folks in the country, uh, do you have that many folks, say, in the, the uh, childhood range, like 10, 12, 14 teenagers that go through so much stress? Do you see many of those? Well, currently I'm not seeing anyone under the age of 18, but almost daily we get calls for people wanting counseling for 
an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, and, and I do have a list of places that I keep in my office to refer people. Um, but young people, children, adolescents, uh, young adults are all as anxious as older adults or middle-aged adults. Um, and as far as the loss goes, they experienced a loss with normalcy of life at young time, at a young time in their life when the uh, pandemic just shut things down. Uh, they were used to going to school perhaps or, or getting out and that loss of that social network or, or learning um, at school was gone for a period of time. So uh, again, contributing to anxiety and depression. Do help us understand, I guess, an approach, and, and I know you do this some, but we all have philosophies, are we seeing, and yes, I guess we are, such an increase in bullying amongst our, our youngsters? Did not see that, but very rarely when my girls umpteen years ago were in school. But, uh, but aren't we seeing a pretty big increase in peer bullying? I cannot give you specific statistics on that, but I know because of... Uh, because of anxiety, people don't do things just, I mean, there may be some people out there that just bully and they come from, from perfect families or perfect circumstances, but most of the time, people who bully are people who have very poor self, self-esteem. They don't have a foundation of security. Mm. And uh, so if, if, if we go along with what I've been saying about there is more anxiety because of the last several years and things that have happened in our world, then yes, I would think there is an increase in, in that kind of behavior. Now, take us through some steps and, and please correct me because I think I've read different things. If we look at seasonal affective disorder, SAD, is that that can be kind of all year long. It's not necessarily an increase right now. Or yeah, I, I actually know people have clients who get sad in the summer because they hate hot weather. Oh. But technically, seasonal affective disorder is caused by less light. And okay. and where, depending on where you live and which part of the world, uh, which hemisphere, whenever you have less light, there is more of a, a, of a chance of your brain just not firing as mm. well. Um, we know that morning sunshine is one of the things that helps activate our brains. Uh, as we sit here in your lovely place, you have sunshine streaming through the front, and that is a great place for you to be. Anybody who comes to your house would want to be in this sunshine. Uh, it, it's good for our brains. And um, 
decreased sunshine, and that can happen anytime. If you're working indoors, people who work midnight shift and sleep during the day, sunshine deprivation can cause mood problems. Okay. That makes sense. And, and I'd read something that uh, maybe I was at a meeting, and they talked about the fluorescent light leading to some of these things. And it was, like you're pointing out, it's not natural light, but, uh, you know, how do you change that? And I've gone in some offices where folks have decorated beautifully with lamps as opposed mm -hmm. to fluorescent mm -hmm. light. There's a calming effect. And then, uh, yeah, and, and we've also got, I guess, with that color schemes that get us worked up is that, does a red make me more anxious than a soft pale blue? I mean, I don't know. Is that, is that right? Well, and that scientific? could that could be personal. I I, I know, don't know the I don't know the facts on that, <laughs> but I do know that uh, I've I've heard that there are companies in Europe that actually, uh, if they have a, an office building that doesn't have as much light, they make their workers get up and go outside or go into a place mm -hmm. that's sunny every so many hours. It's it's like a, you know, it's like here, some people are required to take a break every four hours. Mm -hmm. In some places in the world, they require you to take a sun break. Oh. Um, and talking like about that. fluorescent light, that's, that is one thing, but the light that most people are being affected by are the light is the light from our devices. So oh, whether it's computers, yeah. iPads, phone. Um, yeah. I talk to people who, when they can't sleep, these are adults, these are young people, when they can't sleep, they'll turn on their phone or have their phone on in the middle of the night, which is one of the worst things you can do oh. uh, for your sleep. And there's something about that light that affects the brain mm -hmm. and wakes it up, but it's not—it's not a positive light like sunshine is. And even if it's cloudy out, just outdoor light is helpful. And the light from devices, at a, in a limited way, is okay. But but we use our devices way too much, and in it, I don't believe it's good for our brains. Yeah, I, I would agree there 100%. I used to tell patients, do not do anything, you know, like that light right before bedtime. Do not watch the 11 o'clock news, please, <laughs> because they've studied, as you know, that 80 plus percent of the news at 6 or 11 is negative. Now, you know, the channels that try to end with somebody doing good or whatever they call the segment is one thing, but it does not make up for 26 minutes of some of the worst things in the world. Right. So you have you're dealing with light that's not good for your for your brain, but you're also receiving news oh. that is is at any time of the day sometimes is hard to digest. But uh, and and again, people will because of our devices. I mean. I was talking with somebody recently, and we were remembering when the TV actually went off at midnight. Um, I didn't, I've always been 
an early to bed person, but I I have been up that late yeah. before, and the the TV just went off. And, and usually played, I don't know, was it the national anthem exactly, or something? The flag exactly, exactly. And good night, and, and and just was gone. Yeah, and now yeah. we can access anything through our devices at any time. Um, you were talking about bullying, and this is one of the reasons when I have seen teenagers, or if I've, or if I've just seen the parents of, of children or teens who have phones, I say, take those phones up. You keep their phone in a place where they just can't get them yeah. until they're about 16 or 17, when they've got to be monitoring that for themselves. But there's so many ways to bully through the phone, and and we know that, that people, the messages they can get, um, again, it's the light, it's the messages we get through the phone. Um, bullying can happen to young people and to older people all 24-7 now, where it used to be the, the TV went off and the lights went off and you went to bed. We don't That's do that true. anymore. No. Yeah. What a change. It, what a it's change. a different, it is a different world, but that's the one constant in our world is that things are going to be changing, so. Well, Becky, as someone who spent a career uh, myself, listening to a lot of this, getting them to see you all, uh, and when we could let them get that steady counseling, about any idea how many of your folks would wind up using some medications. I'm, you know me, I'm not big on a lot of medicines for anything. I spent the last five years of my career trying to get people off of 25 medicines a day, but from the counseling standpoint, we know some folks require that, but any idea maybe how, how many of those go on to get medicines? Well, a lot of times they come to me and they're already on medication. And I, because I'm not the, the MD, I, unless they're on too much. And I have suggested sometimes to people that um, if they might, or if I think they might need an adjustment, either up or down. But I would say that it's a pretty high percentage, 80%, and, and that's just roughly off the top of my head, Shelley. 80% of the people I see are on some kind of antidepressant. And the other 20% or so uh, are considering it, but really would rather try to do something else than be on medication because the medication does have some side effects. And uh, I am more than happy to help people with, with uh, and, and love helping people with coping skills that can help with anxiety and help with depression. Well, and that's what I've thoroughly enjoyed about working with you through the years when I was in practice because I think we both looked at it as in, boy, if, if you can have those skills without the medications, it's, it's just perfect. And as we know, and you mentioned earlier, some people get addicted to these medicines and that creates a problem. Every one of them has side effects. We were talking uh, 
to uh, my guest for uh, this last week, Marvin Bollinger, who spent time in Vietnam and will have a great veterans program. But we talked about way back then when I was in the military counseling, there was no animal such as PTSD. And now that seems to be attached to so many different scenarios. It's not like you were in trauma and accident of war, but uh, I read an article the other day that just simple stuff, and it's it's post-traumatic stress disorder, which uh, normally is going to have, you know, medications with it. And, and I assume you're, you're seeing folks that have what you would classify, right? Right, right. And, and that's that's a disorder that's just not it wasn't named until modern times as you and I both know since since the beginning of time there have been things that have happened to cause post-traumatic stress disorder and um and on a spectrum there's there's people who've been in wars people who have been civilians in wars that's probably the worst that it gets to very to perhaps they were in a circumstance where uh, they thought they could be shot. I mean, there's there's all, anytime you feel like your life is threatened and there really is a threat, there is a potential for PTSD and, and certainly war is, is, uh, is the worst thing I can imagine as far as PTSD goes. Well, and that's... Uh... As I say, in counseling young men when they came back in 1973, and I thought, oh my goodness, we don't have a name. We'll try to help you get to a hospital that deals with counseling services because we didn't have that on my particular base. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And then through my career, I would see that. And we had, as you well know, many cases of postpartum depression Mm -hmm that could go unrecognized uh, many times. This is just life, getting used to having a newborn in the home, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But that was a totally different scenario. It's more than just that sometimes. Yes, you know that. You bet. Now, if if we look at counseling uh, in in general, uh, and, and I'm not trying to pin you down on this, but say someone comes to you you know, with a significant anxiety problem, uh, do you kind of give them uh, little homework assignments, if you will, to to do things between the visits, rather than just coming in and you listening and and talking? Or do they have different things they need to be doing? Oh, absolutely. I I suggest things all the time, and and I mean, I could suggest. A list of 10 things for them but that's usually fairly overwhelming so I will suggest some things and and I like the do one thing principle if you can try one thing just do one thing differently it may be to incorporate uh, putting your hand on your chest um, we call that resetting yourself sometimes just Reset yourself so that you can calm down. Uh, perhaps somebody really wants to start exercising. I say, you know, you don't have to go to the gym for an hour. You don't have to walk anywhere for an hour. You can go outside for 10 or 15 minutes. Start off simple 
and start off with one thing. And a lot of times, if they can do that one thing, it gives them con some confidence. With anxiety, so much of that is about feeling out of control. And if you can do one thing that is helpful for yourself, it, it gives you some confidence, it gives you a feeling of control, and it does help your anxiety. So. And that brings up a good point, Becky, that controlling how you, you do that behavior modification, how many people that I could see in various situations that we felt as healthcare providers were really out of control, uh, which is an interesting thing and in how you set, I love that term, resetting yourself Reset. to get back in control. Uh, absolutely. And then how often, if we get in an argument, I'm a step ahead. You, you're trying to tell me something that can settle me back down, but no, I'm thinking ahead that I want to say this to you, and, and that's a pretty common thing, oh, I assume. Oh, see, you know, it can be common for me. I yeah. could be listening to somebody and thinking, I want to tell them this, and I have to calm myself down and, and listen. Just yeah. listen. Listening. Listening. Yes. That, yeah, that's so... So tough, as we all know, and trying to do that. I, I remember a professor of mine years ago in medical school, he said the two things that the, the two instruments that you can use the best in your career are not in a bag. They're on the side of your head. And if you will <laughs> listen to the patient, if you will listen to their uh, stories, you'll get a lot further than, than otherwise with that. Now, Becky, when you see young folks that are looking to do a, uh, a career in counseling, uh, share with our listeners things that, that you might say to them, the, the good things that satisfy you, some of the tough things, what you kind of do to, to reset yourself. You're in a stressful job, stressful well, career. How, how do you look at that? Well, Shelly, I, I, I have to practice what I preach. So <laughs> I do practice the four, seven, eight breath. I practice calming myself down regularly, um, hitting the pause button or, or, or doing a reset. Um, I think certainly this career is, 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 very, very satisfying in that you can help people, but it's also uh, prone to being overworked because there are so many needs. I mean, you know this in the medical profession. There are so many people in need of services, and um, if, if somebody wants to go into this profession, uh, I'm going... I will say, get your bachelor's in the profession for so many people who are going straight on through and getting their master's, that's fine. Get your bachelor's, work in the field a while, see what you think, and, and, and learn how to uh, do what we call self-regulate so that you can take care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself and, and this is a great place to end. If you don't take care of yourself in any profession, you're no good in helping others. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a great profession. 
very, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to know so many people and to have been able to help people or hopefully help people, and I believe I have, and they've helped me too. Uh, you learn a lot talking to people, so um, just got to take care of yourself and uh, practice what you preach. Well, that's excellent, Becky, because I, I think how easy it is for healthcare professionals especially, and I know it's tough with so many other disciplines, teaching, and things mm -hmm, like that, mm -hmm. but... But you're absolutely right. We cannot help someone else to get better if we do not take that time, you know, for ourselves. Excellent, excellent point. And, and uh, let me say to our listeners, having known Becky, as I say about a lot of folks now that I'm a lot older, I've known them since they were puppies. And knowing her way back in her school days, uh, it's, it's very interesting to see the development and the marvelous effect that she has had on so many people in our community uh, in, in many ways, not just in her office counseling, but, but with how she can make people feel at ease. Uh, and sometimes, and she and I have talked about this, sometimes, uh, well, we believe it. Hugs, always better than drugs. Uh, the aspect of listening and, and having that ability even through your own trials and tribulations to do that and so on behalf of a lot of the folks here becky thank you for for you being you this is very important and thanks for the great information as we move into the holidays and and uh, for being with me today well thank you for having me and and everybody just take care of themselves during the holidays don't do anything you don't want to do <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely and Folks, if you have questions, as I say before, just send them to me, Shell Griff, S-H-E-L-G-R-I-F at gmail.com, and I can get back to Becky and answer in a future program, but we've just been delighted to have, have you back again. And as I say to each and every one of you uh, on a weekly basis, have a safe and healthy day, have safe, healthy, and blessed holidays as they come up, and I'll see you a little further up the road.